Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, Well, it's so good to be here with you again. I I don't feel like I'm a guest uh, now that I've been here. This is my second time, but I've I've been good friends with your pastors for a while now. I feel like I'm like, I asked Pastor Tyler, I was like, can I just be considered like one of the teaching pastors here? Or like, you can let me just take take over facilities and and like clean up or whatever you need me to do. I just want to be a part of here because I don't feel like a guest. This feels like family to me. And uh, it is good to get to be here with you today. Why don't you do this really quick? Why don't you look at the person sitting next to you, tell them, say, I'm so glad you made it to church on Saturday night. Now look at that other person, tell them, say, you need some church on Saturday night. You need it. You need this. Well, um, I just got to say, I, uh, it is an honor just to get to be here with you. Uh, I bring greetings on behalf of my family. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, and I, we've been married now. We just made 16 years of marriage. And uh, yeah. And... Uh, and we, we started dating like 22 years ago, so she's been having to deal with me for a while. But uh, we have three beautiful kids. Uh, we have two, two boys, uh, 11 and 9, uh, Liam and Nixon, and then we have a little girl named Novi Sophia. She's two years old, and I think we have a couple pictures up here. I to, this gives me a little street cred just to do this. So this is my wife, Jennifer, right here, and uh, this is Liam, our 11-year-old. Uh, he's an incredible athlete, loves Jesus. This is Nixon. We're praying for his salvation. Uh, he's a little wild. He's a little crazy. My mom says, I'm reaping everything that I sowed all those years. Uh, and so anyway, he's, he's, he's blessing me. Uh, but then uh, I think you have another one. This is Novi right here. This was actually at Christmas. So this is a little older picture, but I think I have a fresh new one for you guys. Let's see. Do you have another one? There you go right there. That's my girl. So we hung out this morning. I woke up this morning. My wife, I told her, I said, babe, won't you go get, get a facial, get your nails done, whatever. I've got this. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I've got this. And so I just laid in bed with, with, uh, with, with Novi for about two hours. We watched cartoons and ate some waffles. It was amazing. Uh, but I do feel like I'm a rich man. I'm a blessed man because of the family that God's given, uh, given me. And I, I, I know it's uh, an honor. If my wife was here tonight, we, they were at, at a party and stuff. But she would tell you, it's just such an honor to get to be friends with your pastors. You may or may not know this. Maybe you're new tonight. Maybe this is your first time here. You're really blessed as a church uh, because of the leadership that God's given you. And uh, this is not like a little script that I write, you know, and travel and say about every person that where I preach at their church. I mean this with all my heart. Your pastors are, are some of the most incredible leaders that I've ever met. They're people of integrity. They have a generous spirit. Even the days when I've had hard days, when I get around your pastor, Pastor Tyler, he's one of the most encouraging human beings I've ever been around. He just makes me laugh. Uh, and, and, and they love Jesus with all their heart. They love you with all their heart. And uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm learning as a pastor, I've been in pastoral ministry now for 20 years, and this is what I'm learning, that one of the greatest gifts that God can give to a city is a life-giving local church. And one of the greatest things that God can give to a, a life-giving local church are true shepherds that truly care about people and love people. And they see that it is their, their honor and their privilege to get to serve you and to lead you and to love you. The Apostle Paul said this to a church that he, he planted called uh, Th- the Thessalonians. And um, he said this, he said, we loved you so much that you became so dear to us. It was our honor not just to share our ministry or our message with you. It was our honor just to share our lives with you. And, uh, and I, I believe that that's the pastors that you have. They love you. They care for you. And uh, I'm so thankful for them. So I know that they're not here tonight. They're, they're performing a wedding for, I think, someone that's in your congregation. But could we do this just in case they watch this? 
Can we clap our hands and show our love and appreciation for Pastor Tyler and Rachel? So grateful for him. And um, he mentioned this just a moment ago, and we're going to jump into the word in just a minute, but he mentioned that I'm a part of an organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches. And I want to take just a moment to say this, uh, because like he said, every single month, uh, part of part of your generosity and your giving, you're, you faithfully tithe and you give over and above and all those kind of things. You worship the Lord with your giving. You're not giving to a church, you're giving through a church. And that's how we're making a difference, both locally here, but then nationally planting churches. Through your generosity, listen to this, Ark, we have planted 961 churches, just like Mission Church here in North America. And this year, we're gonna break through the 1,000 mark. And so I just wanted, on behalf of, uh, on behalf of our president, President Greg Surratt, uh, Pastor Dino Rizzo, Pastor Chris Hodges, our team there, and all of Ark, thank you for your generosity. It truly is making a difference. Amen? Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, break those out. We're gonna put something on the screen uh, for you in just a moment. But... I, I, I read this article just recently, and it was very interesting. It said this. Uh, it said, "Did you know that Amazon keeps track of your highlights on your eBooks? Did you know that? That, that if you if you read like an eBook, that every time you highlight something, you you mark something, it it actually tracks that. And uh, and, and when eBook owners mark sentences, the online retailer knows and they note it." And recently, Amazon released a list of the most popular passages in some of its best-selling books, such, such as The Hunger Games, that was one of them, uh, the Harry Potter series, Pride and Prejudice, hello. Uh, and then it also released uh, the most highlighted passages in, in the Bible. And this was interesting as I began to read through this article, and I expected that the most highlighted verses would be probably what you would expect, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That's a pretty popular one. Uh, maybe you would expect it to be something like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, I have everything that I want. That's a pretty, pretty famous and prominent scripture. Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer, you know, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So th these are ones that are very famous, very popular, but those were not the most highlighted verses of scripture. The most highlighted verses of scripture in these recent months and days that we live in is Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And look at this, and the peace of God. Can somebody say peace? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the peace of God? You're thankful for the peace of God? How many of you say, I could use a little bit more peace today? 2021, after the year we've come out of, I could use a little bit of peace. Lord, will you give me some peace? And the interesting thing is, is if you just think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that, that one of the most highlighted verses of scripture deals with the peace of God. But if you backtrack that just a little bit, reverse engineer it, and look at what it starts out with. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. And if I've learned anything in the last year and a half, there's been a lot of situations that have created a lot of anxious moments for me. I don't know if that's you. You may be totally like, I'm filled with peace. I'm all right. But there have been moments where I've just felt some anxiety, I've felt, felt some worry, worried about this or that. Like, do I have COVID? Do I not? I think I got it in 2015. What? It didn't even, what are you talking about? Like, but there's, there's so, much so many stressful, anxious thoughts that can rush through our mind. It may not be related to COVID, but it may be related to your job or to your kids. 
may be thoughts about your performance at work. It may be just the tension between you and your spouse and you're worrying about things. And, and what I know is that all of us at some point, either right now you're currently in here or watching online, either right now you're walking through a season of anxiety or worry, or maybe you've come out of some situation that you were worried so much about, or God forbid, this is not a prophetic word, it's just the reality, that you're going to walk through worry and stress and anxiety at some point in your future. It's just gonna happen, it's the inevitable. We live in a broken world. And what you and I need as the people of God is we need the peace of God because it actually, it positions us as a witness to the glory of God because when we have the peace of Jesus as the center gravity of our life, we can walk through some of the worst situations with a non-anxious presence. And people will actually see that that don't have that same peace and they won't be able to understand it. It will transcend all understanding and people will literally lean into you and they'll say, how can you be at such a place of peace? And you're walking through this. If I were in your situation, I would not carry myself like that. Like, what is it about you? And we're able to testify to the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. It's one of the most powerful things that we have. You know, when you think about anxiety and worry, I'll just roll out a few things here. Anxiety comes from this Greek word. It simply just means to care, to be anxious, or to worry. It's, 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 the root word literally means to be distracted and pulled away. Sometimes we can be dealing with anxiety so bad or we can be worried about something that the people that God has put in our life right in front of us, our spouse, our kids, our friends, our family, our coworkers, we can't even be fully present in the moment because we're distracted by something we're worried about and we're anxious about. And it can pull us away and distract us. Out of 14 nations that have recently been researched about anxiety, America ranked, guess what? Number one, we should be proud. We rank number one in anxiety. We live in a world of worry. Everyone deals with it at some point in their life. And here's what I know, some people worry so much that sometimes when they have nothing worrying them, they get worried that something they should worry about is about to happen. I have a family member like that. They just worry when they don't have anything to worry about. And Christians, when we deal with this, oftentimes we, because of the stigma and the label that comes with worry or anxiety, we're supposed to be people of faith. We like to mask it and rename it and call it concern. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not stressed out. I'm not angry. I'm just concerned about this because it sounds so much more palatable. Now, here's the thing. The irony about me talking about this particular topic to you is this. I get anxious every time I have to speak publicly. I get anxious if I'm in a meeting and there's like eight people and I know that I'm about to be the one to give my kind of remarks about a particular thing and I get a little anxiousness. And I read a book that said you should just relabel it and call it excitement because it's kind of the same feelings. And I try that. I tried doing that just a minute ago. Like, I'm just excited right now. I'm like, no, I'm anxious. That's anxiety that I'm feeling to stand up in front of all these people. I've got to be funny. I've got to make you laugh, make you cry, tell you about Jesus, teach you something. There's a little bit of pressure there, right? You can feel that at times. And so what I want to talk about for just a few moments is simply this, is worried for nothing. That's the branding of this. It's just worried for nothing. I think sometimes we're worrying about things that are so much out of our control. And we fix our mind on things that are way in the future or somewhere outside of our reach and ultimately what we'll find out is this, is that it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's affecting our spirituality in the way that we see our heavenly father. It really does affect us. Worry, when you study the etymology of the English word, you'll discover something very interesting. Worry is an old English word that literally means to strangle or to choke. 
to strangle or to choke. How fitting is that? That worry and anxiety is literally strangling the life out of us. It's choking the joy out of our, our lives. It is strangling us and it's choking us. It's also interesting that, that anxiety and and worry can lead to a panic attack. And one of the, the, the feelings that you feel when you're having a panic attack is that you feel you can't breathe. It's literally, it's choking the life out of people, the joy out of people, the peace out of people. And I relate to this because when we, I never really dealt with worry. Uh, I never really dealt with stress. I never really dealt with, like the most stressful thing was like, you know, figuring out what I was gonna eat for dinner. Like I just never really dealt with that until we decided to, to start a church in the city of San Francisco. That's a little stressful. That's a little like, I started having these thoughts would rush through my mind and I began to get worried and anxious. And right up until the point where we started this church in 2017, I got so worked up and so worried at night, I would lay in my bed and I would just have all these thoughts. Like, what if no one shows up? Or what if, what if we fail? Or what if we can't get enough resources together to do this? And I would just have all these thoughts and I was ruminating. I was ruminating with these thoughts. And I get so worked up, it literally made my body physically, it began to affect me. How many of you know that a restless soul produces a restless body? And I was restless and I was worried and I was so anxious about these things. And, and I don't know if you can relate with that or not. Maybe you're like, I'm so good, Jason. I don't deal with this at all. I'm at a perfect place of peace. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad that you feel that way because most of us, we don't. We deal with this at times. Maybe, maybe some of these relate with you. Maybe you get worried about things like this, your finances, worried about the debt you haven't been able to pay off, worried how are you going to pay off your bills, worried about your financial security, about your future, worried about your retirement. Maybe it's not your finances, maybe it's your health. Will the report come back positive or negative? We've all lived in that space, right, this past year. What, what is this pain that I've been feeling? And to make matters worse, then we go to WebMD. <laughs> Don't do that. It's like fuel on the fire. Worry about our family. Will I ever get married? Do they really love me? Are they gonna leave me? Will we ever be able to have kids? And then we get pregnant and then we worry if, if it's gonna work out okay and are we gonna be able to afford this baby? And then we worry if the pregnancy is gonna have complications and we can, we can be, begin to get so worked up with anxiety and worry. We worry about our career, worry if we'll get the job or the promotion and we worry about our, our job security because we feel like we're not performing to the certain standards that are expected of us and then the pressures are increasing and then you just begin to worry, does the boss even like me? Then we worry about our calling, right? We worry that we'll, we'll never get to do what we feel called to do. The thing that God's put in our heart and we get anxious and worried that we'll always be on the backside of a mountain and we'll never get to step into the fullness of what he has for us. And we worry, will my future, will, will it pass me by or have my best days, are they behind me now? And we worry that our future is bleak and dark and we can just worry about these things. We can even worry about our faith. Worry if God's not, maybe God's not pleased with me because I haven't, haven't performed good religiously here lately. And we worry, does he love me even though I haven't acted lovely? And we can get so anxious. But here's the thing. Wherever you may land on the spectrum, here's what I do know. Just because worry is common, it doesn't mean it has to be normal. Just because it is common. It's a common thing that we all face from time to time. Just because it's common, it does not have to be normalized in your life. It does not have to be your story. It does not have to be your narrative. You don't have to walk through life with an anxious presence, but you can actually be at a place of peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, here's the disclaimer for you as we unpack this text for just a moment. I'm gonna give you a few practical takeaways. Is I do think when you talk about things like mental health, which the month of May was Mental Health Awareness, if you didn't know that. 
And we talked at our church a lot about depression and anxiety and stress and all these different things. But here's what I know is that there's some things that are spiritual when you talk about mental health. There's some things that are spiritual. There's some things that are clinical and there's some things that are practical. The things that are spiritual, this, this is the stuff that, that literally, this, this is the things that only God can do. Like a doctor can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. We can't, we can't just like work really hard to fix those things. There's some things in our life that is just spiritual. Like when people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just discouraged. No, no, that's a spirit of despair. The Bible talks about it. There's a spirit of discouragement. There are some things that are spiritual, but there's also some things that are clinical. There are some people with clinical depression, clinical anxiety. There are these things that literally that God has empowered the medical field. I have one of my best friends right here. He works in oncology, and I believe it's an anointing and a grace and a calling on his life to be able to serve people in the medical field. And I do believe that there's some things that are clinical, but I also believe that there's some things that are practical and that God looks to the doctors to do what only they can do, and he's gonna take care of what only he can do, and he looks to us to do what only we can do. And here's why I say that, because I don't want you to hear this message to say, Jason just thinks that everything is spiritual and I need to stop taking my medication. Don't do that. Go to counseling, take your medication and bill Pastor Tyler for it, okay? <laughs> so I want you to hear me say that, okay? Make sure we're clear. Here's the first thing the text says to us though. We're just gonna preach what, what, what the Apostle Paul said. His first admonition to us is this. He says, worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. Nothing. Verse six says, do not be anxious about anything. The Greek word for anything is anything. Like literally, it's like there's nothing for you and I to worry about. We have nothing to worry about. In other words, if the admonishment in the text is not to worry, then it implies that worry is an action of the will. It's a choice. Listen to me. Worry and anxiety is not simply an emotion. It's a decision. His implication is that you have the authority and the power to make a decision. I will not worry about that. I will not be anxious about that. I don't have to let my emotions drag me away because emotions and feelings are terrible leaders, but they're great followers. I can make a decision to be the leader of my emotions. I will not be anxious about this. I will not worry about this situation. Even if it's out of my control, listen, God is still sovereign. And therefore, I will not worry about this. His instruction, though, seems insensitive, doesn't it? You can hear Paul's, Paul's like, you can almost read a little sarcasm in it, like, what are you worried about? Like, don't worry about anything. But that's not it. That's not how it comes across. When you understand where the Apostle Paul is writing this text from, he's in prison. He's in prison, and he... He is literally, he's in chains and he's writing this letter to encourage the Christians in Philippi. And one of the things he tells them as they're walking through a challenging season that's very uncertain, he says, hey, you don't have to worry about that. And the reason his words carry weight is because of where he's at and what he has already experienced. He's in prison, he's in pain, he, his, his future is uncertain. He doesn't know if he's gonna stay in prison, if he's gonna be martyred, he does not know. And yet for some reason at he has this place of, this sense of peace about him where he can say, you know what? It's almost like if anybody should stress out, I should, but I'm gonna tell you this right now, I'm not. You know why? Because God's in control. So don't worry about anything. Have you ever noticed that when someone tries to comfort you about something that you're walking through and they haven't walked through it, it kind of rubs you the wrong way a little bit? Has that ever happened to you? You just wanna punch him, don't you? You just wanna, you're like, don't make me, don't, don't make me go there. But, but, but what about when a person 
has experienced at some point in their life what you're currently walking through. And they come alongside you in your suffering, in your loss, in your pain. Your child has passed away. Your husband got diagnosed with cancer. You lost your job. You filed bankruptcy. And they come alongside you with a similar story and they go, listen, trust me, God is in control. You see, those people, their words carry weight because of their experience. It's not to say that we can't encourage people because we haven't walked through what they've walked through, but the reality is, is you know what I'm talking about. And the Apostle Paul, when he writes these words to the Philippians to encourage them, this is the posture. It's not, get it together, don't stress out. You need to go to see a counselor. It's not that, it's, listen, I have walked the road that you're on. And I'm telling you, you can trust me. You don't have to worry about it. Worry about nothing. Why would God ever give us any instruction in scripture that he knew that we could not do? Anytime whenever scripture calls us to a standard or to a place for us to live our lives, it's, it's always, it should always bring us hope and encouragement because if God asks us to do something, that means he believes that by his grace and by the power of the spirit and the truth of his word and surrounded with life-giving community, we can do it. So if he says, don't worry about anything, don't be anxious about anything, here's why it should give us hope is there is hope that we can live a worry-free life filled with the peace that comes from Jesus. This should give us so much hope. Listen to me, worry, let's call it what it is. Worry is the sin of distrusting in the promises and the power of God. Worry is the sin of distrusting in the promises and the power of God. But the apostle Paul, these are not just the words of, of a man in a jail cell. He's actually echoing the, echoing the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. Hey, so don't worry for your father cares deeply about even the smallest detail of your life. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you knew how much your father cares about you, you wouldn't worry. You see, the truth is when we're worrying, what it does is it, it, it brings an accusation towards the reality of who we're truly trusting in. Because the area that we worry about the most is probably the area that we're trusting God with the least. And we're not trusting that he truly loves us as a good father and he cares for us and he's got us and he holds us in the palm of his hand. You see, Jesus said this, you don't have to worry about anything. You know why? Because I know my dad, he's a good father. He says, you don't have to worry at all. Goes on in Luke 12, Jesus says, so don't worry. Jesus taught his disciples saying, listen to me, never let anxiety enter your hearts. Never worry about any of your needs, such as food or clothing. You see, I think worry starts in our head and it drifts into our hearts and it causes this, this toxic stuff to happen in our soul. And we begin to live this anxious life that's not truly trusting in the goodness of our father. And Jesus says, listen to me, you don't have to worry about anything. He goes on and he says, so does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even one more day? So if worrying adds nothing but actually subtracts from your life, why would you worry about God's care of you? It comes back to, do we truly trust that the Father cares for us? You see, worry doesn't remove stress from today, but it definitely diminishes strength for tomorrow. And worry cannot solve a single problem any more than a spider web can stop a falling rock. It just can't happen. Worry doesn't add, it only subtracts and diminishes our life. And so Jesus says, I repeat it, don't let worry into your life. He says, live above the anxious cares about your personal needs. 
People everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. In other words, Jesus keeps bringing this whole issue of worry back to this. You have to trust me that your Father cares for you and you don't have to live in anxiety and worry. And so Paul goes on back to Philippians and he says, so worry about nothing and instead pray about everything. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Verse six and seven, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Listen, don't let prayer be your last resort. Let it be your first priority. When I deal with anxiety or, or, or worry about things, oftentimes the temptation is to go to Twitter or to Instagram or to Facebook and to process it with my friends. Oftentimes the first thing to do is I, I, I start dealing with some anxiety or fear or whatever, and I wanna pick up the phone and call a friend. There's a place for all of that, but I'm telling you the best response in the middle of worry or anxiety is to get on your face before God and begin to pour out your heart before God. Begin to pray about everything. And here, here's what you need to know. God cares about every detail. There, there's, no, there's no problem too big for God's power and there is no problem too small for his concern. He cares about every single detail of your life. He cares about your job. He cares about your promotion. He cares about that conversation that you're gonna have to have that you've been anxious about. He cares about your prodigal son. He cares about every single detail of your life. And what we do is when we feel those emotions, when we feel those feelings and we feel like, man, we're getting anxious, what we do is we, we say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn on some worship and I'm gonna pour my heart out to God. I'm gonna get into the presence of God. And, and, and I'm gonna begin to just thank him and make my request before him. Literally, this is what he's saying. You need to make your prayer requests. You need to make your petitions. You need to wrap them in gratitude and thanksgiving as you begin to worship and pray to God. So here's what it looks like is that when you're stressed out about the job, the job situation, like am I gonna get the promotion or am I not? You get on your face before God. You begin to pray in the presence of God. And this is what the prayer looks like. God, I thank you that you're in control of my future. God, I thank you this Psalm says that you promote. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from you, God. God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that if this isn't the promotion for me, then there's something better on the other side of it. God, I just thank you right now. And this is what, all of a sudden the peace of God begins to come and you begin to realize my future, my job, my finances, it's not in my control anyway. It's in his control. And peace will begin to come like a river, begin to fill our hearts and fill our souls. Then you can go into that interview. You can go into the conversation with your oversight. You can begin to have those meetings and you can be in there in a place of peace, not biting your fingers and all anxious and stressing out, red splotches on your neck and sweating everywhere. Like, well, nobody gonna hire nobody like that. Go in there just smooth, like with swagger, like that, that divine peace swagger about you. Just go in there, like you're gonna get the job. <sighs> Y'all crazy. He goes on, he says, um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me read this to you. I was thinking about this as I was, I was praying about this. Do you remember this song? I love worship. My, 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 one of, this is my best friend up here, Elton Vills. He's a phenomenal worship leader and worship pastor. I should have made him jump up here and sing this, but do you remember the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Oh, I love this. If you old school church and you know what this is. But look at this line. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything 
to God in prayer. He says, we forfeit peace when we carry what we were not meant to carry. That's why first Peter, he says, cast all of your anxiety, all of your cares upon who? Upon him, because why? He cares for you. The, the, the Greek word where it says to cast it, literally, if you could get a picture of me taking something and just throwing it, he says, take your anxieties, your worries and your cares and hurl them on God. Why? Because he can carry that which you cannot. What's been crushing you will never crush him. He's omnipotent. What, what has been keeping you up at night? Listen, he does not sleep. He doesn't have to. He doesn't need it. Why would we try to carry things that will crush us that we were never designed to carry? Our father was designed to carry those things, not us. This lady came up to me at my, uh, this church I pastored at, and it was called Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. I pastored there for a few years as an executive pastor. And at the close of our service, we'd always come down to the front and we'd welcome people to come down that wanted to receive uh, prayer. And so uh, this lady came, comes down and she goes, she goes, uh, I said, what can I pray with you about? She said, she starts crying, uncontrollably crying. And she said, pastor, she was like, my best friend. She's like, my best friend. She was like, he's not doing good. And I was like, how can I pray for him? And she said, my best friend, he's just been struggling. He's been sick for a while. We travel all over the world together the last 10 years. You know, I love him so much. I don't know what I would do without him. And then she says, they're worried that he's so sick. We're going to have to put him down. And I looked at her. I said, excuse me, you're going to have to put him down. Thinking, isn't that illegal? And it dawned on me, I said, ma'am, what, what is your best friend's name? She says, tears, just ugly crying. She goes, Snickers. I was like, how do you want me to pray for Snickers? I've never prayed for a dog before. I, I felt so ridiculous, but I said, yeah, we're going to pray for Snickers. So I'm praying for this lady. I mean, I was trying to hold back the laughter and everything. And I'm praying and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if, if it matters to her, it matters to me. See, God cares about every detail of your life. You know what? He is not, I don't know what your, your, your view of God is, but he is not off in the cosmos with a white beard, with little chubby angels flying around everywhere, like looking down at you saying, you're not doing good enough in church. You didn't tithe today. Like that's not God. He's not this, this he's not like Zeus out. It's, no, he is a good father. And even if you had a terrible dad, I didn't have the best relationship with my father. I shared that with you guys last time I was here. Go watch it on YouTube. I didn't have the best relationship with him. And when I first became a follower of Jesus, it was hard for me to relate to God as father. I always thought God was mad at me. I always thought he didn't believe the best in me. I always thought that I had to earn his love and approval. Listen, you have a good father. He cares for you. He loves you. I gotta hurry. I'm gonna skip my third point. I'll share it with you really quick. You need to focus on the good things. It says this, he says over in the text, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, verse eight, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praise God, fix your thoughts on these things. He, he says, whatever. He's like, I don't even care. Whatever's true, whatever's beautiful, whatever's holy, whatever's lovely, whatever, whatever, whatever. Just, you need to get your, your you need to fix your focus on, on the right things that will build you up. Here's what I noticed that, there was a time where, where I was so anxious about my wife being pregnant with this, this baby, Novi. And we had a friend who they, they were pregnant and th their baby, they found out had a hole in his heart. 
And I begin to let their reality get projected on me. And I started stressing out and freaking out about, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what, what if something's wrong with our baby? I laid in my bed one night and I just, I just thought about the scripture. Be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. So I started doing that. I started sensing a little bit of peace, but I felt like the Lord said, look at the rest of the text. As you pray about everything, present your request with thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. But then it says, but then you need to begin to focus on whatever is true. Whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful. I literally felt the Lord said this, if you wanna keep the peace, here's what you need to do. I want you to start thinking about things like, what is this little girl, what, is the, what are her eyes gonna look like? I begin to think like, what if, she, what if she has beautiful blonde curly hair and blue eyes? I just begin to just sense joy flood my heart. What is it gonna be like when I get to rock her and, and then put her in her bed at night? And man, the joy and peace started to flood my heart. I just started thinking about whatever I could think of. Beautiful. I started thinking about her walking down the aisle. Anxiety came back <laughs> real quick. <laughs> like, Lord, I don't think about that. The point I'm trying to make is this, is don't just empty your mind of anxious thoughts, fill them with beautiful thoughts, with the word of God. Imagine your company just blowing up and being just exploding and being very lucrative. Imagine, imagine your career taking off. Imagine writing that book, begin to fill your thoughts. And this isn't like, not like Tony Robbins, like guru. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Paul said this, you need to, you need to, you need to get your, your mind right and fixed on the right things. And the last thing he says is this, this is my last point. You need to trust Jesus in all things. Worry about no thing, pray about everything, think about the right things, but trust Jesus in all things. Trust Jesus in all things. He says, I'm not saying that I need anything. He goes on in verse 11. I've learned to be happy, he says, with whatever I have, and I know how to get along with little and how to live when I have much. I have learned the secret of being happy at all times, having joy and peace and serenity, non-anxious presence. I've learned to be just good at all times, in all circumstances, why? If I'm, if I'm full of food and I have all that I need, I am happy. But if I'm hungry and I need more, I am happy, why? Because I can do all things because Christ gives me strength. You see, athletes write this on the side of their shoe and it's like, I'm gonna win the game because Jesus gives me strength. That sounds great, okay? But that's not the context. Contextually, Paul's saying this, to people that he's pastoring, the Philippians, guys, you see the joy I have? You see the peace that I have? You see how I'm content in all circumstances? He goes, I'm gonna tell you the source of it. It's Jesus. Jesus ha has become the center gravity of my life. So when I have a lot or little, when I'm facing death, when I'm, when I'm enjoying life, all of it, I'm at a place of perfect peace that transcends all understanding because Jesus Christ is the center of my life. He's the most unshakable thing in my life. And what Paul discovered, and I think it's what he wanted the Philippians to discover is this, is that God is fully responsible to the person that's fully surrendered to him. And when you get to that place, when you're fully surrendered to Jesus, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry about your kids. You don't have to worry about your job. You don't have to worry about your future. You don't have to worry about your purpose or your destiny. You don't have to be at that place of stressing and being, having the joy choked out of you. But you can say, Jesus, you are my savior and my Lord, and you are the strength of my life. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are my healer. You are my protector. You are my deliverer. Jesus, you are everything. And when he becomes the central focus of your life and you're fully devoted to him, I'm telling you, that's where peace is at. The peace that you long for, it's in that place. It's not in anything that you can do. It's in, only in him. That's what you can receive. It's interesting that Jesus' street name is the Prince of Peace.
And I think he's here tonight with us. I want you to bow your heads with me. We're gonna pray. Lord, I just felt like my assignment today was to come in here and just to say to people that maybe are dealing with some anxiety and some worry, just to come in here to say, you know what? God wants you to give him that and he wants to exchange that with the peace of Jesus. I'd never wanna diminish what someone feels, the anxiety or stress or worry. I'd never wanna make light of it. But God, I do wanna make much of you, much of the strength that comes from Jesus, that when we are weak, you are strong, Jesus. You're strong in us and through us. That when there's been an absence of peace, we can come before you in your presence and you can bring peace. It's not something that we have to perform and do to get it. You're a good father with the gift of peace through the Holy Spirit and you bestow that upon your children. You've called us to peace, your scriptures say. God, your word says in Isaiah that you'll keep us in perfect peace. You will, you will keep us in perfect peace. We thank you that that's one of our that's part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God, is peace, is peace. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd begin to deposit that type of peace that money can't buy, that doctors can't prescribe, that friends cannot give us, that the world cannot take away from us, a peace that surpasses all human understanding, that type of peace that will guard our heart and our minds in Christ Jesus, peace. Begin to move right now, Holy Spirit, and bring peace. Bring peace. All over this place tonight, and if you're watching online, I'd just like to close this way. The reality is, is and I believe this at the fiber of, at the core of my being, like I believe this, that the peace that, that you and I need and that we long for the most in our life is actually peace with God. It's not just peace from our circumstance, but it's, there's literally, there's something in us that's been hardwired there that when we're not followers of Jesus, we haven't received the grace of God, we haven't chosen to be followers of Jesus, there's something that's, that's fighting and struggling on the inside of us and we're trying to find, here's what it is, is that you're at enmity with, with, with God. You're, you're, you're opposing him, but because of Jesus, we can have peace with him and be reconciled to him. And it's hard for me even to put words around it because it's so significant and it's so richly theological. But the Bible tells us that whenever we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the son of the living God, as the savior of the world and the redeemer, the forgiver of our lives, when we just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, that God gives us peace with him. It's, it's the shalom of God, the wholeness of God. It just, it settles something in us. And right now, if you're here today and you say, I don't, I don't know God like that. I don't have peace. I've, maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you're a seeker. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you grew up in church and you've, you're kind of just wondering and you have questions. Listen to me. The starting point for you is this. If you need peace, peace that comes from, from having a relationship with Jesus, you can have that tonight. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And so in your own way tonight, maybe just in your own heart, or maybe you can even say this out loud if you want to, just say, Jesus, tonight, I give you my life. I choose to place my life in your hands and I surrender my life to you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you cleanse me of 
of any wrongdoing in my life. And will you, will you give me the peace that comes from a relationship with the Father? Restore and reconcile my heart back to his. Tonight, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.